Hey guys, it's Mom Taraj, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. And we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. Everybody. Hi, friends. Oh, my God. I feel like both of our voices were like another register higher than they should oh, be. Oh, really? You're yeah. like, hey. That's nice. Is that a Dunkin' Donuts you're drinking? Mm-hmm. Your family runs on Dunkin', truly. I'm going full Ben Affleck. I'm still waiting. I'm waiting for the part of my Ben Affleck uh, resurrection where I am Ben Affleck with Jennifer Lopez 2.0 Ben Affleck. Where his dragon phoenix tattoo disappears because of her fabulousness. Right. I feel like Ben Affleck smoking outside that meme that, you know, that's all over the place. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. With man boobs in his like V-neck sweater. That's the Ben Affleck I feel like. They should make a meme like, which Ben Affleck are you in quarantine? They should. You know what? That might be what I post for Momtrage today. Yay! Anyway, happy day, guys. Happy day. We are back, and this is going to be a super fun episode. We have a, a very, very cool celebrity. We have, guys... Molly Ringwald. The Molly Ringwald. Isn't that like the not coolest? a Molly Ringwald impersonator. Actually, Molly Ringwald. Are there Molly Ringwald impersonators? There must be. I'm sure there's a drag queen out there that does Molly Ringwald. I'm sure. <laughs> so Molly Ringwald and Leslie Meyer are going to be joining us for a fun conversation. Make sure to stay tuned for that. Plus, in honor of Ms. Molly Ringwald being with us, we're going to talk about the differences in parenting in the 80s and parenting now. But But as always, we have this week hashtag swag bag picks. But up first, the tits and the shits. Now, most of you are expecting my tits and shits to be about the visit with my in-laws. And I will eventually get to that. But um, today's tits and shits are, uh, I got a haircut yesterday. You did? I did. And I look like both of the guys from Oasis at the same time. (laughs) Noel and whatever. Are they both Gallagher's? Liam? Yes, Nolan Liam. And I believe it's because um, she gave me micro bangs and kept the mullet. So here's the big reveal. She's electric. <laughs> she comes from a house of eccentrics. I mean, it's it's a little, I have a better a little picture. Much. It's a little much. I'm hoping it'll grow out. Uh, it's also the first day, so my hair tends to freak out. I'm hoping that I can maybe straighten it a little bit. It's like somewhere between if a Karen had a baby with both the Gallagher brothers. No, there's nothing Karen-y about it. But here's the thing about your hair. Like, literally, you could style it, and this haircut will be like, you could style it in five minutes from now, and it would not at all be reminiscent of a Gallagher. It's just the way it's styled. Right, and that's because I literally got a cut yesterday, took a shower, and ran out of the house, so I haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. But I did send my brother an inordinate amount of videos of me (laughs) wearing this Who t-shirt, singing various Gallagher Brothers songs. Yeah, they hate each other, don't they? Yeah, they hate each other. The Gallagher's? So I guess that's my shits. Maybe it's my tits, but I think it's my shits. (laughs) And the tits are, I got a regular babysitter nanny. (laughs) She starts next week. Uh, uh, uh. I literally... Literally hired her and was like, is she young and is she attractive? That's all I care about. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind it. I would. I was choosing between an older person and a younger person. She's like a college kid going to Penn State. I don't have the same trust issues as you, Ashley. I mean, I don't. It's no, not I don't mean it's, issues. Not, it's not trust. It's you not see like, it you know, as trust issues. I see it as uh, a poor decision. Right. No, I don't mean you have trust issues with Matt. I don't want to like 
make that sound. I just like would rather a young girl. I don't know why. I get it. Just to keep up with like Luna's energy or whatever. Anyway. I mean, I can see why that definitely makes sense. She starts on Monday. I am so excited. She's primarily going to be watching her while I'm at home editing this podcast. I am so excited for you to have a little taste of freedom because it's been like two weeks for me and poof. I don't even know. Luna was so excited. Too. She's like, you here to play just with me? And we were like, yeah. And she's like, that's really cool. I was like, yeah. <laughs> she's like, we go on walks. You do Play-Doh? And she's like, yeah, I do Play-Doh. <laughs> How'd you find her? I joined Care.com. Oh, okay. Good. Because I wanted someone that was like CPR. Because I'm weird. I want someone CPR, AED, vaccinated. No, I think that makes, that's not weird. They do like a background check and whatever. I only have her till the end of the summer and then I'll have to figure something out. But I'm hoping by then I'm on the waiting list for some two and three programs. So I'm hoping something will, or else I'll just do the whole process again. But yeah, I'll hit some Montclair College kid up or something. I don't know. That's a good point. You do have the college right there. So I'm sure there's a wealth of Yeah, kids that just need a few hours. Yeah. So anyway, my biggest thing was... I just, there was a lot of older nannies that wanted full-time and I don't need full-time. I was trying to find like a share and it was just too hard doing someone else's schedule with my schedule. And yep. I, di- I didn't want to feel like I was responsible for their for their family getting their food on their table, you know? Yep. And so I just picked a student because it was just easier. No, shares, I, I get why people find them appealing, but I feel the exact same way. It's just like, it, it seems like it's going to create more issues and it's like, you're already doing this to alleviate stress. Why create more? Also, I'm not a good sharer. It, it, like, I no, just am not. me neither. I'm not that's an only share. child thing. Yeah, so I tried, but I was just like, this is too much work. So I just want someone that's just doing this to pay her college fund. That's all. That Good. doesn't doesn't need this, you know, for putting food on her entire tent. You know, I'm not going to pay give you insurance. I only need like 17 to 20 hours, you know? Anyway. Yep. That's my tits and my shits. How about you? Basically, my sister-in-law uh, submitted my mother-in-law to for like, you know, world's greatest mom type of thing for the Today Show. They brought on a bunch of different moms. They ended up picking. Carol. It was great. My parents are selling their home. They are currently living with us while their other home is they're closing on another home. So it's like a whole thing. There's a transitional period happening for everybody. Because of that, we all stayed in the city for this Today Show thing, right? And Matt and I shared a room with Matt's sister. We went to dinner, had a really nice dinner, all of us. Matt's parents went back because Carol had to wake up super, super early to get to the Today Show. I haven't told you this story because I wanted the great room reveal to be great recorded. Perfect. <laughs> we go out for a couple of drinks. I mean, nothing. it's not like I was like shit-faced. Fla- shit <laughs> I know, shit-faced plastered or anything. But I have this very vivid dream in that in the middle of the night about sitting on the toilet and trying to pee. And I'm like sitting there just trying to pee and trying to pee. And I wake up and I pissed the bed. <laughs> and it wasn't enough to like saturate the mattress but my pants were wet anyone who's ever stayed in a hotel in new york city you know that the rooms are so fucking tiny so even in like very cute boutique hotels where they're trying to make it a certain way the rooms are still very tiny so this hotel was like two full-size beds foot to foot if i sat up in my bed i would see my sister-in-law right at my feet essentially um so i was up against the wall i had to in my pee-pee pajamas (laughs) climb over my husband who's then like what's wrong and I was like I peed myself I peed myself in my sleep had to go to the bathroom like rinsed off my pants and just like laid them around and got back into bed and then proceeded to like 
keep saying that I peed in the bed. I was just like in shock that I did this. Like, have I reached the age where I'm incontinent? I mean, I am. (laughs) If you don't piss the bed, it's like you sneeze and you pee a little bit. It's totally different. You had a very vivid dream. Oh, it was very, I mean, very vivid. I pissed the bed. I guess those are my shits. (laughs) <laughs> the pits. The pisses. Yeah, they're certainly not the tits. Oh, you know what? We didn't tell everybody that we won our number 14 on Podcast Magazine's Top Moms in Podcasting. That's right. That should have been both our tits. Yeah, so those are my tits. I'm really proud of us. And Thank we, you, you guys know, all for voting. Thank you so, so much, guys. And, um, you know, we have some other exciting developments we're trying to work on, and we will keep you posted on those things as well. Looks like it might be an interesting summer. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's it. Those are my tits and my shits. Awesome. All right, guys. So stay tuned because up next, we are talking about the difference between uh, 80s parenting and 90s parenting. And then stay tuned really, 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 really next because it's Molly Ringwald. Okay, so in honor of Molly Ringwald, which I am like shook, it was so funny. We found out we got this Molly Ringwald interview. And then when I was at my mother-in-law's, we were just channel surfing, trying to find something the whole family could watch, like everyone. Right. And 16 Candles came on. And I was like, Oh, Yay! the best one. And so we all watched that together as a family. I sort of felt like I was doing accidental research on it. Do you have a favorite Molly Ringwald movie real quick? Because mine is 16 Candles. Oh, I think Breakfast Club is my favorite. Hmm. I used you to watch strike all me time. as a breakfast club kind of gal. That's right. That's right. I do love breakfast. It's true. So anyway, I pulled up some articles because I feel like it's always a conversation, at least for me, because I was a kid of the 80s. You're more a kid of the 90s. So we'll, we'll, we'll address both those eras. But yeah, I'm always like, I cannot believe that I'm still alive. I used to sit in the way back of a car, which was like a station wagon where my face was up against the back rear window, no seatbelt. People smoked everywhere, everywhere in cars and planes. I lived in a house full of smokers who smoked in cars. I like ate frosted flakes every day. Pop tarts were considered a breakfast meal. Mm, like I miss pop tarts. I'm like shocked that anybody in the 80s is alive. I was a latchkey kid. I made my own food like at age seven. I'm like, <laughs> how? You know, it's such a different time. So anyway, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. So the first thing that was super interesting was I found this article in Fatherly by Patrick A. Coleman, who said that he was asked to write an article about what it would be like if he parented his kids, present day kids. I love this article, by the way. Present day kids, like they were 80s kids. So for one week, him and his wife decided that they were going to try to be like, kind of like hands off parents. They let their kids do fend for themselves, make their own food, go outside. They didn't need to check in. No technology. They watch TV together as a family. What are some other things am I missing? When they came downstairs, like when they, they basically told the kids like, when you get home from school, you are on your own until 5.30. Don't bother us. Take care of yourselves. Like that's an hour and a half for you to do whatever. Then they would come downstairs with their kids. They would put on what they wanted on TV, like not watch kids stuff. I thought it was great. I'm all, I'm on board. And he said they were surprisingly self-sufficient, like, whereas he would have made them food, they just got their own food. Right took care of business. And he was surprised at how maybe he had been like babying them, that they were really like stepped up to the plate. And he said the house was a mess, but it was like worth it. Right. And one of the, I mean, there is some subtle differences. Like he took away a lot of their technology aside from the TV, which I think is a 
a big difference in what's happening. But he said that, um, you know, most of us are now living in a like a helicopter parenting kind of world. And he said, you know, there was something to be said with the kids taking care of themselves because it empowered them to do for themselves. He said, but he really missed actually being more a part of their lives, like checking in on them, making sure that their homework was done properly. I mean, my mom never checked my homework. She was like, did you do it? Okay, bye. (laughs) And I mean, I was raised on television. Are we expected to check our kids' homework? I mean, I don't think for your age, kid, but I think, yeah, I think we're supposed to like- check that they did it or like go over it and be like, did they do it? Like, is the math proper? Like, correct? I mean, I don't think you're supposed to check it like, I think you did that wrong. I just think, I think you're supposed to like sit with them and be like, cool, do you have any questions? Like, how did you get to this answer? Or like, engage them. I'm not doing that. No one did that with me. I did my own fucking homework. This is what we're talking about. This is the difference between 80s and 90s parenting and now. Sorry, I am not doing that. If he has questions and he wants to come ask me them, that's fine. But I'm not going to sit there and be like, let's do your homework. (laughs) Fuck that. So him and his wife liked kind of the laid back nature of it, but they missed being as involved in their kids' lives as they had been before. What I really liked about this article is like the reminder that we all survive. Now, granted, some of us might have more scars on our bodies than others (laughs) in various stories. Mentally, emotionally, physically. (laughs) Right. But we all managed. And I, I think this speaks to something we talk about on the show all the time, which is I, you know, I'm not a every kid gets a trophy kind of person. That's like our secondary motto for this show. We are not, we don't believe in that. Right. And so I want to raise my kid not to be like a little baby kid. I want to raise my kid to be a doer that gets things done that doesn't need me to hold her hand all the time. So what I did really like about this is the reminder that kids will figure it out and they can do it on their own. Yeah. We learned probably a lot from the 80s and 90s, and we'll go a little bit more into some other articles, just some fun check-ins, like, you know you're a kid of the 80s if, you know you're a kid from the (laughs) 90s if. You know, we've learned now it's a different world with technology and all that other kind of stuff, so there's other things to worry about, but maybe we need to, like, lay off a little bit. Yep. I mean, that's what I took from it. We can't go back in time. Technology has made it so that we can't go back to that kind of simplicity. Listen, I don't I don't see Sebastian being one of those four-year-olds, like a latchkey kid. Like, I, I don't see him being four, having a key around his neck, walking home, and letting himself into the I'm house. I'm actually pretty sure it's illegal now. And uh, Dyfus will come after your child, I right. actually think. Right. But I do think that, like, I don't know, we'll be somewhere and somebody will be like, is he allowed to go pee by himself? Like, Yes, he's allowed to go pee by himself. Yes, he's allowed to go up and down the stairs by himself. Yes, he is allowed to go in the fridge and get himself a yogurt. Like, it's okay. It's good for him to go do these things and be able to do these things on his own. Sorry, Clementine just poked her little head in and I was like, who's that? She she wants to be a part of the interview. She's like, hi, ladies. Can I be on the show? Molly Wingwald. I'm a very (laughs) famous wethead, too. I was going to say, I'm a ginger. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so here's some 80s mom things. And then we'll do some 90s mom things. So for, the first one is the parental solution to every problem was just go outside and play. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it's Accurate. hard to do in the city, but I feel like that is something we should encourage yes. more. A bicycle was all the freedom a kid needed. Again, not Ugh. city kids, but everything else. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, kids didn't need to check in. I, I will need my kid to check in. Oh, 100%. But that's because we didn't have phones. It was different. Yeah, exactly. In the 80s. Now, it, and I, I think a text counts as a check-in. Correct. You know, depending on what it is. 
Or like implanting a microchip in your kid's brain so you just know where they are. I'm also on board with that in all honesty. There was a Black Mirror episode about that. I'm sure there was. You knew everything your kid was reading or listening to. Uh, Seeing your daughter dress like Madonna felt like the worst thing in the world, which (laughs) it would be like the best thing now. Everyone in the family shared one phone. I mean, we were a two-phone household, I have to say. We did have two lines. Back in the 80s? Yeah, because we had one million people living in my house. It was my grandmother, my grandfather, all my uncles, me and my mom. So me and my mom had our own line. Okay. My mom's like, I'm an adult 40-year-old woman living with my mom. I need my own phone line. Yeah, I can understand that. Girls spent hours in the bathroom making sure their perms were significantly poofy. Check. Car safety meant putting kids in the way back. I just talked about that. Babies could sleep on their stomachs. I mean, Sebastian did that. I know. I did a little bit too. Family trips to the mall were a fun and common outing. True. Still Best are, day ever. Uh, you were nervous about your kids combining Pop Rocks and Coca-Cola. <laughs> I did it anyway. Um, the best toys were just accidents waiting to happen. Yep. Birthday parties happened at home. We talked about that in an episode. Like, we feel that way still. Yep. Pop-tarts for breakfast? Why not? If my son didn't act like a raving fucking lunatic every time he had sugar, I would be fine with him having Pop-tarts for breakfast. You can make your own that are healthier, evidently, but who cares? Uh, that No, thank you. Just say no was the only drug talk you needed to have with your kids. <laughs> Here's my favorite one, and this is true. Mr. Rogers could be your babysitter. Aww. Aww. Oh, that's that went true. Hit. He was R. my babysitter. I, I know. Watching TV with your kids was a regular occurrence. Yeah. Cartoons were only one day a week. That's true. But, yeah. well, I guess I'm a 90s kid. So well, we're going to get to you. Talk. We're yeah. going to get to you. And MTV seemed like the worst thing your kids could watch. <laughs> The most violent video games involved hammers or eating ghosts. <laughs> uh, you weren't competitive with other parents. That's a big one, I think. Yeah. Everyone actually had dinner together. Mm. You didn't realize how harmful smoking was. I mean, I feel like people realize they just didn't care. Right. You didn't know how important sunscreen was either. True story. Oh, that's true. It was still possible to be unreachable. Mm. I do wish that was the case sometimes, I have to I say. I mean, you could. You just turn it off. It's just not as socially acceptable. Right. And now be. there's anxiety when you turn your phone off because you don't want somebody to reach you. You know what I mean? Like, right. back then it was like, well, I'm just going for a walk because that's what I do and I don't have a communication device that's mobile. Now it's like, if you turn it off, then it's like, well, I got to tell my parents I'm going to turn my phone off so that if they try and call me, they don't think I died. Right. So now we'll be, this is, um, you know, you had a 90s mom if, and then we'll just talk about a little interesting statistics about housewives and mothers from the different periods. So you knew, you got to tell me how many of these your mom had. You know, you had a 90s mom if her hair was always perfectly volumized. Yeah. My mom too. And she made yours, sure yours was too. Mm. No, but my hair was always done. I had very long hair, so it was like she a- wore mom jeans like they were going out of style because they were. Your mom's stylish. Your mom's yeah. Too no, stylish. My, I mean when she wore mom jeans, it was like in a cool way. Like my mom used to wear see through shirts. Yes, with like a cool bra underneath, and I just yes. remember being like a little girl and being like, "My mom's a babe." <laughs> <laughs> uh, these VH tapes were basically her personal trainers. It's like the Cindy yes. Crawford workout. Denise yeah. Austin. She had the Cindy Crawford one. That was the specific one. And of course, she might have used this, and it shows a thigh master. Yeah, well, she didn't, but who doesn't remember that? Uh, she captured lots of your milestone moments using disposable cameras. Yeah. She ate Snackwell's devil food cake oh, cookies. <laughs> yes, I love a devil's food cookie. Uh, she set her hair in hot rollers. Yep. She seemed to always be in business casual. Yep. She dressed you up for each Easter. Yep. Slash Passover. She got you your own phone line with a clear phone. No. My very first phone was the clueless phone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like the talk boy phone. 
all of Julia Roberts' movies are on your VHS rotation. <sighs> yep. <laughs> uh, she changed it up every once in a while by giving you Lunchables. Lunchables were a very special occasion. You didn't have to look too deep into her wallet to find a Sears card. Probably true. You guys did a denim photo shoot? Family no, photo never. shoot? <laughs> no. Never. Anyway, that was some of the 90s ones. I love that. Just something really interesting. This is just a little bit of the demographics of women who were housewives or mothers in various generations. So in the 80s, mom jeans, teased hair, and blue eyeshadow may paint a pretty accurate picture of some 80s housewives, but there was there was more going on than then. The first baby monitor was created in 1937, but it only became popular in the 80s. Liquid Tide was a big deal in the 80s, making normal household duties even easier. Hmm. And the biggest revolution... Um, um, being an 80s housewife or a mother was the introduction of at-home VHS recorders. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I love that. So not only could they uh, document your baby's first everything, but you could also record and watch other things back in your home. So in the 1990s, working women were on the rise, but that didn't mean that family life took a backseat. College-educated managers and professionals over 30 contributed to more than half of the million extra births. So there was people who were working and having children. Got it. Like the working mom. And then it said uh, fast solutions were the biggest thing in the 90s. Lunchables, pre-packed lunches, America's TV dinners, Capri Suns. Yep. Time-saving cleaning products like Febreze and Swiffer. All the things like to that were big time savers. Yep. Then it said millennial moms and today. It's an upswing of the number of stay-at-home mothers by 13% than it's ever been since over a decade ago. Wait, now there's yes, more, more stay-at-home mothers? Yes. Like during the pandemic? Or are we pretending no. the pandemic didn't happen? No, this is pre-pandemic. This is more, there's more stay-at-home moms, 13% more than decades before. Wow. Percentage of new mothers who went back to work fell from 59% in 1998 to 55% in 2000. Wow. These decreases were way lower than expected. I wonder why. Does it say why? No. Hmm. And it says many moms today are embracing housewife life with blogs, social media, Pinterest pushing DIY homemaking tips and trends. Being a housewife and a mother has many ways evolved and at the same time stayed the same. Women today, just as in the past, work hard to keep their family happy. So I just thought that was like kind of interesting. That is. That's fascinating. Especially the the fact that like more women are stay-at-home moms now than there have been Since before the 80s is what they're saying. Since before the 80s. That's crazy to me. Yeah. Huh. And that is, and this is not pandemic related. I mean, now it's even more, but. Right, right. My first reaction is like, okay, we're moving backwards in feminism. But at the same token, isn't feminism the choice to do what you want? Correct. It doesn't mean you go back to work. It means you have the choice to go back to work or to not go back to work. I think there's a couple things involved. I think the fact that aside from you right now in your life, there's less people whose parents are living with them. Yeah. Overall or in like my age bracket are you talking about? Because I think that is not correct for people in their 20s. No, I just mean like, I'm just mean in general, the difference between now, and I don't mean COVID now, because that's kind of like a separate situation, but. Right. 
I think that having parents live with you or close to you is less of a thing now. And so I think maybe like in the 80s, more moms could drop their kid off at their parents' house. Also, people had babies younger. So their grandparents weren't as old as many people today's grandparents are because people are choosing to have babies later. See, I'm always so curious when we talk about stuff like this because I wonder us living where we live plays such a huge part in all of this. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't know if people in Ohio, like if that's the case, if people don't, because I look at going to school in the city and all this other stuff, like going to college in Manhattan, right? All those people have basically, a vast majority, I would say, have moved back closer to where they are from. Yes. Not as many people are living in New York anymore. Again, pre-pandemic. Right. Uh, Not as many people are like living in LA. They're not in the big cities. They're going back to where they were from. And I always thought the correlation was, okay, they've hit the age where they're getting married and they're having babies and they want to be closer to their families. I mean, I didn't have that because like all my people stayed kind of close to the city and their parents don't live close by. Well, you're also kind of close from the city to the city, you know? So it's like, it's the same with me growing up. The kids I grew up with, they're all still around here because this is where we're from. Right. Anyway, I just think there might be some correlation between how active, because childcare is so expensive, that I'm sure a lot of families are choosing for one parent to stay at home because it's less expensive. Yep. Than childcare, whereas... Because what's the point of working if all of one parent's paycheck is going to go towards childcare, then you may as well just be home with your child. Right, whereas before, maybe, one, it wasn't illegal to leave your, like, six-year-old home alone like it is now. So people did that, you know, and worked. And or the extended family reach, I think, was maybe played more in just one with the how old people were having children. Families tended to be bigger, so you had aunts and uncles and stuff close by. I'm sure all of that has factored in a little bit into the stay-at-home mom thing. And also, I think this kind of like going back to like a slower culture where like you make your own food and you... People are trying to homestead a little more. Right, right. Anyway, I just thought that was really interesting because, you know, one of the things that I was really shocking when watching 16 Candles is how those kinds of movies do not fit in this camp cancel culture no. world. I mean, Long Duck Dong for Christ's sake. <laughs> I know, Long Duck Dong. And Long just like, Duck Dong was a whole character that was based on like an Asian stereotype, which would not be allowed now. Or like the <laughs> drunk girl yes. in the car and they're just passing her from like one yes. dude to another. All of that stuff would just not fly. And so it just made me think about how different it was. Even being a kid watching an 80s movie and it was nostalgia even when I watched it, how just things have changed. Like it was acceptable when I watched it for the first time, even though it was old and nostalgic. All those things were still acceptable. And now watching it as a quote unquote woke 40, you know, what I'm trying to be as woke as possible 43 year old. I'm like, wow, there's so much problematic. There is so much problematic here. Matt and I have been rewatching Friends from the beginning. You know, I think that show started in 1998. I guess that seems more recent than 16 Candles, even though it's probably about 10 or 12 years later. There's stuff on that show where we're like, ooh, that wouldn't fly nowadays. And it's just like times have evolved very quickly. It hits you different. <laughs> like all of a sudden I'm like, oh no, wait, wait, you can't say that anymore. You can't have a pet monkey. You can't do that anymore. Chandler says like horribly sexist things a lot. 
right, everybody. You know one of today's guests as the president of the National Meningitis Association and the other as the most important member of the Brat Pack, in our opinion. Both are mothers who have come together to urge parents to help protect their teens against meningococcal. Did I say that right? Am I pronouncing that right? Meningococcal meningitis. There we go. <laughs> meningococcal meningitis. Please welcome Leslie Mayer and Molly Ringwald. Hi, ladies. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for joining us. And everybody, Carrie can't be here. Her sister's in uh, some hip replacement healing business. So it's just me for right now. I'd love to get right into it with you. I had personally no idea that meningitis was really potentially so devastating. Um, It's always been one of those things for me that you absentmindedly kind of get vaccinated for when the doctor tells you to. Can you briefly educate us on what it is? Is and its effects. I'm going to let Leslie take this because she is uh, the the president of the National Meningitis Association um, and unfortunately lost her son Chris. So why don't why don't you start, Leslie? Like you, I didn't know anything about meningococcal meningitis, and I thought it was just about the vaccine. Also, my son Chris was 17 and he was super healthy. He scored the winning goal for his high school team to become the state championships in soccer. And two weeks later, after he complained of a headache and had a fever, which I thought was the flu, he suddenly died. He got rushed to the hospital and they did a spinal tap. And so he had gone to school the day before he died. And that's how I learned about meningococcal meningitis the hard way. And it's caused by an infection and it can spread in less than 24 hours and take a a young life, unfortunately. 10 to 15% of those who get it can die. Of the survivors, 20% can actually suffer side effects like amputations, hearing loss, kidney failure. And so that's why vaccination is so important, and especially for our teenagers. So it's an infection. It's rare, but it can take a disease quickly. And that's why we're doing the 16 vaccine, because um, teenagers are most at risk. Anybody can have meningococcal meningitis, but a lot of people don't realize, you know, they get their their kids protected um, when they're 11 or 12, when, you know, they they get their first vaccination. And then by the time the teen years roll around, you know, they're focused on colleges and, you know, lots of other other stuff. And then they don't get that crucial second dose. Um, So that's what we're trying to educate parents about to remember, you know, with everything else that's going on in the world right now, there is still this deadly bacterial infection. It's rare, but it is um, very deadly, very dangerous. Um, And the best prevention against meningococcal meningitis is this vaccine. So if you go to 16vaccine.org, you can find out all about it, more information and talk to your healthcare provider about it. I am so sorry to hear about the loss of your son. I'm, I'm, I know that must have been terribly devastating. How did that tragedy really prompt you to get involved with the National Meningitis Association and become an advocate? I didn't know anything about it because Chris died in less than 24 hours with symptoms similar to what I thought were the flu. I thought this could happen to other parents. And I had heard that a 16-year-old died the year before, and I never heard about that. So once I found out about the disease and that it could be prevented with a vaccine, I wanted other parents to know what I I didn't know. So I contacted the National Meningitis Association, which was founded by parents who had lost their kids or who had suffered severe disabilities and amputations. 
And our mission is that we will educate parents across the country about the symptoms of meningococcal meningitis and especially the best way to prevent it, which is a vaccine at, for men ACWY strains at 11 and 12. The CD recommends the first dose and they recommend the second dose of the men ACWY meningitis vaccine at 16. And when, when we're also, because uh, we really want to advocate for vaccines because we've realized that they save lives. I think my son would be alive. So we are also encouraging parents when they go in to get their second dose at age 16, they ask about other vaccines and especially about the separate meningitis B vaccine because we want our kids to have long, healthy lives and, and happy lives. And that's why we're so excited, Molly's working with us on this campaign, because we want other parents to know what we did not know. And, and we can all save lives by spreading the word. And the second dose is the one that gets less uptake because sometimes parents think they don't need to get their teenagers into their doctor to get vaccines. They think they're done, but they're not done. At 16, they need to get in there and check into getting the second dose of the meningitis vaccine because the rates on that had been about 50% prior to pandemic. And now those rates are way down right when kids are getting the most into the most situations they might really be exposed to meningitis, like by sharing drinks or um, kissing. They're getting more independent around a lot of people, which are risk factors. Molly, why did you want to work on spreading awareness about this preventable disease? Tell us a little bit about 16 vaccines in that, if you don't mind. Well, I'm the mother of a very strong-willed 17-year-old uh, and two also very strong-willed 11-year-olds. Uh, you know, I was very moved by Leslie's story, you know, just imagining that there was something that was preventable, you know, something that I could have done um, that I didn't do. You know, it just seems like you know, why would you not want to protect your, your child from this deadly disease? Um, it's just, and I, and I feel very strongly about, you know, vaccinations in general, but I feel like a lot of people just don't know about the meningococcal meningitis. Um, you know, like Leslie said, you know, we, we focus on all the vaccinations when our kids are little and a lot of people just think that they're done and we're not done. And it's something that we just really, I believe really strongly that we just need to protect our kids before they go off to college. And, you know, teens are the ones that are the most affected by meningococcal meningitis. Um, not to say that you can't get it at another age. Anyone can get it, but teens seem to get it the most. They're at parties together. They're playing team sports. They're drinking each other's beverages. They're kissing. You know, it's just, uh, it just seems to be an age that's very vulnerable um, to this rare but deadly disease. So I just felt like it would be really great. A lot of people, you know, associate me with the movies that I did when I was a teenager, but a lot of people know that my most important role, um, my most gratifying role is uh, as a parent to these kids. So I'm protecting my kids and I'd really like to encourage all parents to protect their kids as well. So we on the show also feel very strongly about vaccinating. This is kind of a, a little bit of a duh question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. And that is, why would somebody not get this vaccine? And what do you want to say to anybody who's having any kind of hesitation or question or, or may not have even known that this is something you're supposed to do with a teenager, get this vaccine? That's why we're doing this campaign, because people might not know that they need to get their 16-year-olds in for the 
second dose of the men ACWY vaccine. And we do know that parents are hesitant. Some parents, they want to make sure that they're doing the best thing for their kids. And, and because we believe in what medical professionals tell us, and we believe that this is a safe vaccine, it's been approved by the FDA, it's recommended by the CDC at 11 and 12 and, and 16. What we encourage parents to do is check into our website, the16vaccine.org. Here are stories, there's some information there. Talk to your medical professional about the vaccine and, and talk to them also about the MenV vaccine. And really think about, my son died in less than 24 hours just after complaining of a headache. I wish so much that I had known that a vaccine could have saved his life because he would be here today and he's not. And as a parent, want to look back after if your son does or daughter does contract a deadly disease that could have been prevented by a vaccine. You don't want to look back and you'll never get over the loss of a child no matter what. But if you can save your children's life, with a vaccine, especially at age 16, when they need to really be protected from their independent lives, then do it. It is safe, but check with your doctor, ask questions. Thank you for sharing, you know, using such such a personal event and tragedy to really educate people. It really is very powerful. And I, and I feel like people hearing stories like yours is more motivation to go ahead and, and get vaccinated and, and be more informed about something, you know, as important as this. Molly, if I may ask, you very much grew up in the spotlight. You know, most of us would assume that you didn't have a typical childhood because you were busy being basically the biggest teen star out there. How do you feel that this unique perspective on being a teenager and your life really shaped your motherhood um, views and parenting and just like how your kids view their lives now? You know, I feel like being, you know, the most famous teenager of all time, according to, I think, VH1. Um, and me personally. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I feel like it, it puts me in a unique position in that a lot of people feel like they grew up with me. Um, and also a lot of teenagers know who I am. And sometimes I'm sort of a bridge between, you know, teens and their parents because they both know me and they both like certain projects that I've done. And one of the great things about that is being able to be a spokesperson for something like the 16 vaccine because it just, you know, I feel like maybe somebody might click on me because they're a fan and then they get this very useful information. So I really want to try to use, you know, my fame and my my career as a way to really help educate people to help them to protect their their own families. You're so accomplished in so many different mediums. You know, you're a singer, you're an author, you're an actress, you're a mother, but these are all mediums that now are absorbed in so many different ways between TVs and computers and cell phones. How has this shaped? This has been such a huge discussion for us during the pandemic, having toddlers and just needing a moment sometimes. How has that <laughs> shaped your view on something like screen time? You know, like this has been a vehicle for you. How do you feel about screen time? Uh, you know, as a parent, it's something that, you know, it's something that I didn't grow up with. You know, I'm not a digital native, but my kids are. It's something that we're constantly negotiating, my husband and I. We're always trying to figure out the best way to sort of monitor the screen time, you know, to get them to do it. Sometimes we bribe them. We always have, you know, 
we're always trying to figure that out. And I don't really know what the answer to that is other than pay attention to it. It's just something that you always, you know, when you have kids, you sort of never stop thinking about them and their safety. Um, so, you know, screen time, it's just one of those things that we, we try to sort of encourage them, you know, to to realize that they will feel better with less screen time, basically. But, you know, that that's also something that I think about for myself. It's a, it's a conversation that I have with myself. I, and I think anybody, everybody who has a computer and a screen has to negotiate, you know, the amount of time that they're using it. Wouldn't you say, Leslie? I would say that too. Yeah, <laughs> I see that. It's become a habit now. Yeah. Ladies, it has been such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much. I feel like this is a very important topic and you're really educating people on something that they may not have otherwise known. I will say my mother is temporarily living with me right now and I told her that I was interviewing Leslie and Molly Ringwald this morning and she said, all I need to know is how Jake Ryan was as a kisser. (laughs) If you have anything to say about that. (laughs) He has very nice eyes. I remember his eyes. The most beautiful man. So before we go, I just want to say it again, 16vaccine.org. Go to it today, right now, and find out everything you can to, and talk to your healthcare providers, talk to your teen's healthcare providers about getting protected against meningococcal meningitis. Do it now. I agree with what Molly said, totally. If you know teenagers or moms of teenagers, share our information about the 16vaccine.org website and our stories and make sure that your friends get their 16-year-olds vaccinated too. More information about 16 vaccines can be found in our show notes. Thank you, ladies, so much. We really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us and uh, hope you have a beautiful rest of your day educating everybody. Thank you. Hashtag swag bag. My hashtag swag bag this week is Advil cold and sinus. Do the right thing, Advil cold and sinus, for when your kid gets you sick and you have to drive 12 hours in a U-Haul because you bought too much furniture in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Or when you just want to feel a little bit up. Advil cold and sinus. And jittery. Do the right thing. Okay, mine is this mini cable clip holders five pack. Now, that sounds like a lot of nonsense jumbled together. Essentially what it is is this little plastic, let's say rubber piece that has little slits in it and you put it on the back of your desk or on a counter or something and it just holds all your cables so you're not constantly like, you know, having to bend down and dig to get like chargers or whatever. And this is a five pack. There's one that has five holders, one that has four, one that has three, one has two, one has one. It was like seven dollars on Amazon it has sticky stuff on the back and I have put it on the back of my vanity slash desk and that holds my computer charger my phone charger my you know my LED magnifying mirror and it's just this very helpful little nonsense tool I would have never thought of before but I was like this is driving me crazy having to stick my arm down another arm up with a desk in between me it was just too much so that's some old people shit it is definitely some old my brother shit. just sent me this thing that he, he said I'm gonna buy you this it's basically like a little thing that clamps onto your either your phone charger or your computer charger and it's a dog and when you plug it in the dog starts humping the thing and when it's done charging it stops humping and then you pull it out so this dog is humping like for a few hours yeah wow god bless who has the energy these days evidently a puppy <laughs> a pretend puppy anyway guys what a fun show how 
fun. That was a good one. It was. I'm from the future and I can tell you that it was so good. Live your best life, guys. We love you. We love you. Have a great week and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Okay, that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe. We are out here on our own and these things really, really matter. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at momtouragepod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at momtouragepodcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is written and produced by Ashley Heron-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at Mama Drama Band or mamadramaband.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.